Okay, so as I hit the record button on my podcast today, I can see a bracelet that my family gave me for Father's Day. This was just a couple of days ago. It's leather. It loops around my wrist uh, three times as four gold-colored rings around the leather band, and each one has the names of my kids on the rings. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, I'm showing that right now. And I love it. I, and I've literally never worn anything on my wrist other than a watch. And I've commented that I have really liked some of the bracelets that my son and my, my son-in-law wear. But to me, they can pull them off. But I was thinking about that. What does that even mean, that they can pull them off? That implies that I can't pull off wearing some sort of bracelet, but according to who? So do you ever feel like you want to do something or wear something or say something, but you feel like you can't do it or you shouldn't do it? Or if you did say or do whatever this, this thing is that you're thinking that somebody else wouldn't approve? And, and what if that person is your spouse, for example? How difficult can that be? And if you're a guy, have you ever wanted to grow out your facial hair, but you've worried that others wouldn't approve? Or I've had more than one woman in my office who has wanted to purchase maybe stylish frames for their glasses or they wanted a particular hairstyle only to share with me that they haven't wanted to take that action because they worry about someone else's approval. But when you really step back or if you truly take a look at your own life, are you living the life that you feel is truly you? And it might be easy to say that you don't really care about what other people think. But if you're not really moving in the direction that you feel is, is who you are at your core, if you're not taking action on the things or the values that truly matter to you, or if you want to even put this in a religious context, if you feel like you've been given certain God-given talents or gifts or abilities, are you using them? And, and if so, what does, that, what does that look like to you? And what if you even are doing that even in the face of something like invalidation of somebody saying, why are you doing that? Why, why do you feel like that matters to you? You know, are you, are you multiplying those talents? Are you burying them? And if you are burying them, or if you're not living in an alignment with what truly matters to you, why not? Are you, are you actually living your life, your best life? I know that can sound so cliched, because if not, I think the big question is, whose life are you truly living? So coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, we're going to go back to the well of differentiation. And this is truly one of the most important concepts in self-development. And we're not talking about just a motivational speech that I'm going to give you today. We're going to talk about what it really means to be differentiated, what it really means to find who you are, and then more, more about that of what that looks like or when you show up in a relationship, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with your boss, whether it's with your ecclesiastical leader, whatever that looks like, when you show up clearly differentiated, your own individual human being, and a lot of times that's going to bring this concept of invalidation. So what do you do with that? So we're going to talk about that and <clears throat> excuse me, so much more coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch. Welcome to episode 271 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, creator of The Path Back, an online pornography recovery program. Man, I laugh and then I kind of just fizzle out there because this is what it's been a while since I've had one of these mornings where I think this might be the fourth or fifth take on just the intro, the beginning where I'm talking about differentiation, telling the story, um, talking about wearing my bracelet. That stuff was fun. That was a one take, but for some reason, sometimes just trying to get out the episode number and then uh, pointing people to where they can go to find out more information. 
I, I get in my head a little bit about it. I stumble on that. So welcome aboard, episode 271. Just go to TonyOverbay.com if you want to find out more about Magnetic Marriage Course or Pathback Recovery or Free Parenting Course or sign up for a newsletter. I put out a newsletter this week that really felt like the newsletter that I've always wanted to put out because it wasn't trying to pitch anybody on anything. It was really just sharing some thoughts about the week, pointing to a couple of podcast episodes, and uh, it really felt good, felt authentic. So I'm going to do a little bit more of that. So go to TonyOverbay.com and sign up to find out uh, more about whatever's going on through this newsletter. So let's get to today's concept and today's topic, which I'm talking more about differentiation. And I just, I hope that you'll give me a chance here and just sit back, relax, and just just soak in some of these concepts that we're going to talk about today. Differentiation is one of these words. It's starting to become a little bit of a buzzword. People are talking about it more and more, but it's it, what does it even mean? And why is it so important? Because I will tell you, it's incredibly important. And let me set the stage and I'm going to do something on video. So if you if you are watching on the YouTube channel, you're going to see me do something with my hands here. If not, just, just imagine if you're listening in a car or on a treadmill on a walk. But I had my newest Nate Christensen on a podcast episode last week, and it was phenomenal. Nate is an amazing therapist, a very smart guy, and he's open for business. So he's starting to take new clients and he's in my office and I get to do case consultation with him, that sort of thing. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. But Nate just threw out this real casual definition of differentiation when we were talking about people's different attachment styles and the way that they show up in relationships. And uh, Nate doesn't even know this, but I became a little bit obsessed with something that he just threw out there. And he talked about, he said, you know, clearly, or I, I don't know, I should have gotten the transcript and saw what he exactly said. But he made the comment that differentiation, a simple definition of differentiation is where one person ends, kind of putting out my left hand here flat, where one person ends and the other begins. And so I've got my hands side by side, my fingers uh, spread out. And it's so simple, but yet so deep. So where one person ends and the other person begins, that is a differentiated couple. So if you can picture this, or if you're watching this now, I'm, I'm putting my fingers together and they're interlocked. So it's as if they are enmeshed or codependent. So a lot of times in relationships, because we don't know how to do relationships naturally, we're coming into relationships with a lot of fear, a lot of worry. It's hard to be completely open and authentic because of that fear that if this person really sees the real me, that they may run and hide. So we are putting out as good of a self as we can. Even when we really click with somebody, we jive with somebody, we're still holding back a little bit just because we're human. Because we worry if we really put ourselves out there again, if we are vulnerable and we open up our heart to this person, that they will say, oh, wow, I liked a lot of what you said, but I need to go now, now that I hear who you really are. So we become this, this kind of codependent or enmeshed version of a relationship. So I've got my fingers all entwined. So what I am trying to do as a marriage therapist or in our magnetic marriage course, Preston Pugmire and I, and what we're doing is you're really trying to help people start to differentiate, start to separate. Now, again, bear with me because it sounds like, well, wait, don't we want to be together? Absolutely we do, but in a healthy way, in an interdependent way, not a codependent way. So in this journey of trying to be differentiated, of trying to then really say, okay, here's what matters to me. Here's what is important to me. Here are my core values. Here's what I bring into the relationship. We want you to stand as a confident, energetic, interdependent version of yourself, a differentiated version of yourself, because you are the only version of you that has ever walked the face of the earth. And then your spouse is the same thing. 
So you look at things differently. You have different experiences. Even when you show up and you're watching a movie together or you're walking around the park together, think about that. You have so many different experiences that go into that, that shared experience. And so if you really can learn to be differentiated, that will lead to, to this feeling of curiosity of, man, okay, I want to know everything I can about my spouse, my partner. But then where that gets scary or where it's difficult is that the way we come into a relationship is with our own attachment and abandonment wounds. So that if we say, what do you think about uh, a particular movie? And let's say that you saw that movie and to you, you saw this uh, struggle that a couple had on, on the big screen and you saw that and you thought, man, you know, that's real life. And they're trying to work things out. And you put yourself out there and say, boy, I loved the way that they really were raw and open and they, they, they just talked so real to each other. And if your spouse is watching that movie and all they see is, oh my gosh, that couple is, is, that is uncomfortable because there's some tension there or even some cont contention there. I don't like it. You know, so they just heard you say, boy, I like the way they really got into the, the thick of things. They got out into the weeds and they had these difficult conversations and if they're having an experience where they feel like, oh, that was the most uncomfortable thing in the world, why on earth would anybody want to do that? And then you're trying to have that simple conversation around these fictional or these uh, uh, fictional characters in a movie, and you then your spouse looks over at you and says, seriously, you you liked that, so you're cool with contention, you know, you you aren't worried that one of them is going to say the wrong thing, and then all of a sudden they're going to pack their bags and leave. So if you're the one on the receiving end of that kind of that kind of someone sharing their, their feelings or their thoughts or their emotions, can you imagine where that person hearing that might say, no, I mean, you're right. Yeah, that, I don't know that. Yeah, that you're right. That does seem like that was a little too, too much tension. I mean, you're right. So are you really being yourself? And are you are you not showing up the way you really feel or expressing the things that you really believe for that fear that if I upset my spouse, they're going to leave? Or they're not gonna they're not gonna meet my needs. They aren't gonna want to be intimate with me. They aren't gonna want to uh, do things for me that I would like them to do. So we we're continually playing this uh, game or having doing this dance of how much do I share, how open am I, and then if I see the reaction of my spouse, oh man, I, do I go back in and do I rescue? Oh no, I didn't really mean that. You know, do we do we go to that place? So even trying to have conversations around something as simple as a movie or uh, an experience, or if somebody gives a talk in, in, in church or you see something on YouTube or some you're listening to some speech and you have two different experiences about what that person's saying, are you able to have a healthy, productive conversation? Are you able to say, hey, tell me what you think about that? And if that person says, boy, I loved everything about it, you know, I felt like that person was really passionate. And if your view was, wow, I feel like that person was being overly critical or mean with what they're saying, are you able to have those conversations or do you just say, yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. I think you're right. Because you're afraid of what that, you're afraid things will be contentious, then then you're not differentiated. Or maybe you are on that way or that uh, journey toward differentiation. So I want to talk a little bit more about that today. So that started by when Nate was talking about where one differentiation is where one person ends and the other begins. And I got my fingers together and it meshed. So we're trying to get people to be differentiated, which now I've got my hands side by side. And you will see then people will have start to have these more difficult conversations where they've avoided these topics in the past. But as soon as somebody starts to feel that invalidation, or they feel like they're being criticized or attacked, oftentimes, 
their partner or even they will run right back into that enmeshment or that codependent relationship. And they'll go back into to victim mode or rescue mode. They'll either say, no, no, I really didn't mean it. I, I, I didn't mean it. I don't know what I was thinking. Or they'll just agree with the other person just because they feel like, oh, I don't know if I really want to put myself out there. So the, the antidote, the recipe is to become differentiated. So today I found an article that I just love, and it's uh, from a website called psychalive.org, and it's called, simply stated, Psychological Differentiation. And it looks like it's written by staff, but it's, uh, it's quoting a lot of Dr. Robert Firestone, who has a book called The Self Under Siege, A Therapeutic Model for Differentiation. And Dr. Firestone says that in order for people to live their own lives and fulfill their destinies, they must differentiate from destructive environmental influences. And so when you hear differentiate from destructive environmental influences, that sounds great. I would love to differentiate from destructive environmental influences. But what are those influences that cause us such a challenge to differentiate? So first, he, he defines psychological differentiation. So he says that psychological differentiation is, uh, is such a key component of self-development. Dr. Firestone believes that a person's true identity is affected throughout their lives by these interpersonal experiences that either support or damage the development of, of their personality. So in order for us to really live our own lives and fulfill our destinies, not the destinies that people think that we should fulfill or destinies that uh, someone else would feel validated if you, if you fulfilled that destiny, then in order for us to do that, we have to differentiate ourselves from these destructive family or societal influences. And he says that differentiating from negative influences and identities of our past then that's truly what allows us to become who we are. Rather, and I think this is so key, rather than following a prescribed identity from either our family or our society, to the extent that we're able to develop and sustain our own unique identities, which then allows us to follow our own path. Because only when we're following our own path and really living up to our own desires or expectations are we going to feel like we're truly living our lives? And you can start to, and I almost want to put a little side note out here and, and share some of the things that will pop into someone's head when they hear this, that some of the things that have caused people to stay in these codependent relationships, either with parents or spouses, that a lot of times you hear, wow, that sounds pretty selfish. But I say over and over again that things like self-care or self-determination or self-differentiation are not selfish that if you are with someone that is telling you, wow, that's pretty selfish that you want to go pursue your dreams, then I want, to, I want to have you step back and take a look at that relationship. Is that someone that is truly trying to edify you, that they want you to live the best life you can live and be your best self? Or is that someone that is saying, wait a minute, if you go live your best life, then all of a sudden that brings into question that am I not living my best life? And misery loves company. So I, and I feel like this is one of those situations where when people have not had that support of a secure attachment, of having somebody that says, man, I want to support you. I want you to go find yourself and I am here. I, I am here to help you process things. I've got your back. I want you to, to be able to share with me what that's like for you as you go out there and try to figure yourself out. If you haven't had that experience, then I can understand where some of these this negative self-talk creeps in, where people say, boy, that is pretty selfish. You know, I, that really is putting myself first. And boy, you can put the cliches in here. You have to be on higher ground to lift somebody else up. You got to put your oxygen mask on before you can help someone else. There's so many of those that really are valid, good points. And my emotional baseline theory is built upon this, that too often we are continually doing things. We're, we're putting ourselves out there to be the person 
that other people believe we should be, that it comes at the cost of our own self-care. And ironically, the self-care is what will allow us to be a better version of ourselves. So if you are giving yourself time to raise your emotional baseline, if you're doing the things that really matter or are important to you, you put yourself in a position to be a better fill in the blank, a better husband, a better father, a better spouse, a better employee, a better parent, a better servant, a better contributor to society. But when you're continually playing from this one down perspective of I'm trying to meet everyone else's needs, then ironically, you're not being your best self, which can cause people to really feel less than. So Dr. Firestone, so when he's talking about um, this differentiation, he says, all right, so you should ask yourself, whose life am I really living? Am I basing my life on my own personal beliefs and my own values, my own desires? And he talks about that by undertaking this, uh, this project of differentiation, then we are able to truly become more unique individuals that we have the potential to be. And, and by understanding the process of differentiation, what that even means, what that looks like, how you become differentiated, then we can begin to, as he says, separate ourselves from the chains of the past and lead the most individualistic and meaningful lives possible. And here's where I feel like as a marriage therapist, and this is a big part of, uh, of uh, my magnetic marriage course, where I say often this Sue Johnson, the founder of EFT, she has this beautiful quote that says, we're designed to deal with emotion in concert with another human being. So sometimes I feel like people are saying, well, wait, you're talk you give that quote, but then you say, but you have to be two unique individual people in a relationship. And the answer is absolutely. Because when you're trying to process emotion with another human, but you're doing so, and you can't truly feel like you can be yourself, when you really feel like you're still um, feeling like if I open up to someone else and they're going to let me know what's wrong with my interpretation of how I'm feeling, or if they're going to tell me why I really shouldn't like or, or pursue the things, the values that I am, that I want to pursue, then that is not processing information. That is not processing emotion in concert with another human. When you show up differentiated in a relationship, you feel safe and secure enough so that you can express, hey, I'm struggling with something. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling anxious. And if your partner, instead of them saying, well, I don't know what you want me to do about that, or yeah, I've noticed and that really affects me and it causes me to, you know, spend a lot of time, you know, trying to caretake you, then of course, we're not going to continue to put ourselves out there and say, I need help. But if we're able to say, let's give anxiety as an example. I once had a, a, a couple that came to me and, and this was a well-meaning guy, but he said, all right, in essence, I don't know what I'm supposed to do when my wife starts to get anxious, when she starts to pull away or withdraw, or I think he would call it, you know, spinning or that sort of thing. And she's looking at me just, just deer in the headlights look of saying, I, I don't want this either. But when he's telling me, hey, I need you to fix that anxiety. And, and until you can do so, I'm going to kind of be over here. I'm going to be withdrawn myself because I don't, I don't know what to do when you start getting in one of those anxious moods. But the problem is she's now thinking about not wanting to be in one of these anxious moods, which ironically causes anxiety. So if you are in a secure, attached relationship, but you're two interdependent people with your own experiences, and now you are, you are there together, now if somebody, if, if she says, okay, I'm not aware at times when I'm having this, this anxious moments or when I am withdrawing, so I would love it if, you know, if I know that I can go to you and either express that I'm feeling it, I, I've recognized it, I feel it right now, and then process it with this person, or if she's not even aware and then he says, hey, I... Hey, tell me about what you're experiencing right now. I feel like you're a bit withdrawn. I, I wonder if this is one of those moments where you're having uh, anxiety. 
And here's where I overlie my four pillars of a connected conversation, which are just gold. So pillar one, the assumption of good intentions. So let's say that he now, they've had this conversation. They want to process emotion in concert with each other. They have a secure relationship and they've acknowledged that they're two unique individuals. So how on earth can he say, you need to do this? Because he doesn't know what she's going through. So if he were to then point out, okay, I really want to be here for you. I want to help you. And I feel like this might be one of those times where you're, you, you appear to be a bit withdrawn. So she's going to adhere to pillar one, assume good intentions. He didn't wake up and think, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait till about one o'clock today. I'm going to drop the old, hey, you're withdrawn bomb on her. No, if he's coming to her and saying, I feel like you may be withdrawn. Tell me, tell me what you're going through. Then she's going to assume good intentions. Okay, he's not trying to hurt me. And then pillar two, we can't put off the message of, I don't believe you or you're wrong because that's going to shut the conversation down. So at this point now, she's leaning in. She assumes good intentions, and she can't say, that's ridiculous, I'm fine. You know, she says, okay, pillar three, I'm going to ask some questions before making a comment. So then if she's like, okay, man, I'm even if she doesn't feel that that is the case, that she is withdrawing, but if she knows she can go to him now and say, okay, tell me what you're seeing. You know, help me see my blind spots. I'm not even aware right now. Or if she was aware, now she can say, okay, safe place, safe person. He's brought this to my attention. I'm assuming good intentions. I'm not going to tell him he's wrong. Yeah, you know what? I am feeling something right now. I wonder what that is. Now we're going to be able to process that together. You know, pillar three, asking questions before making comments. Pillar four is neither of them can go into their bunker. They have to stay present. So she can't just say, okay, fine. I guess I'll just never, I guess I'll just never walk around and not, you know, be talking to you the whole time, you know, going into victim mode. Or if he just says, okay, and you know, if she gets angry with him, if he says, okay, fine, I'll never bring anything up again. That filler, uh, filler poor, that pillar four can be really difficult when somebody can even hang in there, assume good intentions, not put off the message that you're wrong, ask questions before making comments. But then if they finally go, okay, well, I guess it really doesn't matter. I, I guess I'm wrong. You know, now they, they take that victim mode and they want the other person to jump in and rescue them. So we're designed to deal with concert, uh, with emotion in concert with another human. But we also have to show up in this differentiated state that we're two different individuals going through life with different experiences. And now here we are together. And this is where when we process um, information in that way, man, we can bond and we can feel close and we can know that I can really go to my spouse because I know that they are there for me. They are a safe place. That is how we process emotion in concert with another human. So I haven't even gotten to the steps. So Dr. Firestone has four steps of differentiation, of becoming more aware. So he says that he has these, uh, these four key steps. This is in, in the book that I referenced earlier. He said, the first steps involve becoming aware of the various ways that we've been influenced by these destructive individuals and experiences from our past. And maybe destructive sounds too harsh for some people. And if so, let's just, we can remove that and just say, we, we need to be aware of how we've been influenced by individuals and experiences from our past. So he said that these four steps are what you need to do to start taking action to break with those old identities in order to ultimately become your best self, your differentiated self. So as Dr. Firestone points out, he says, becoming a differentiated person is a lifelong project. So you need to be patient. You need to give yourself grace. You need to accept that there are certain feelings and thoughts and emotions that you have because you're a human being and because you have been through all these experiences that have brought you to this moment. So now, welcome to the world of differentiation. Step one, he said the first step of psychological differentiation does involve breaking with destructive thoughts and attitudes toward ourselves that we internalized based on painful early life experiences. So this is one where it really is, you know, I've told this story before, but when I became a therapist, I was going to say, you know, we're dealing with the now. Let's stay present. Let's look at this moment forward and let's, let's look at what we can do to 
to live our best lives. But then you quickly realize, oh, wow, our past really does play a pretty darn important role in how we show up right now in the present. So he said, you start by identifying old, uh, these old negative thought processes, which he calls this critical inner voice that are harmful or negative toward the self. And he said, some of these thoughts might seem positive at first. They might seem sort of self-soothing or, or even self-aggrandizing, while others will seem hostile, self-hating, paranoid, suspicious. And he says that once you become aware of these voices, then you can develop insight into where they come from. And he said you can develop this insight by thinking about which specific individuals in your lives may have led you to feel these negative ways about yourself. And then you can answer back to these thoughts from your, your current uh, point of view. And by learning to challenge this inner critic, you can separate yourself from the, the parent, um, air quotes, that we've internalized. And this step may cause some anxiety, but it will ultimately free us to become uh, who we strive to be. And so what that can look like is this critical inner voice is you can feel like, you know, you can play this tape in your mind of the, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm never enough. I mean, my opinion doesn't matter. And I see people show up with that. That's an incredible aha moment that they'll come up with in counseling where they'll realize if you'll say, okay, why haven't you expressed your needs or given your opinion on things? And oftentimes they'll feel like, well, because I grew up in a home where you only spoke when you were asked or if I expressed myself and I had a parent that was, let's say, let's be real, like an, a, a bit of a know-it-all, then it's almost as if anything that I've said was then, well, no, you don't understand. You're just a kid. So then we brought some of those uh, critical inner voices. It's like, well, my opinion doesn't really matter. Or no one's, no one's asked for my opinion. Why on earth would I express it? And you can start to see, especially now, if I express myself, if I express my opinion, and I'm immediately met with people that, are, that have differing opinions, so you can start to see how then we will slip right back into that, that, you know, kind of that childhood stance of, well, it doesn't really matter what I say. I'm probably wrong anyway. So I think I'll just keep quiet. And so we bring those kind of things into adulthood. So he said, step two, the second step of differentiation is now recognizing and changing these negative personality traits that are an incorporation of those negative traits of our parents or our caregivers, our influential figures. And this is the old thing where you say, I never want to be like my, I mean, I'm sounding overly like negative about this, but if you say there, I, I realizing that I'm, I'm being, I'm my father or I'm my mother. And people will often say that not in the most positive of ways where they feel like, oh my gosh, I just uh, started getting frustrated with my kid the way that my parent got frustrated with me. And so this is because that is the way that we've incorporated how you deal with certain situations when you're young. So you can see that uh, reenacting this, the, these very same actions or personality patterns that, that we swore that we would never do or repeat ourselves. And so being aware of that, you know, he said, you got to recognize that and change those negative personality traits. This is such a big piece of becoming differentiated. And a big component of that is, is taking ownership or accountability of your own actions. Because if you immediately recognize that you are about to, um, let's say that you're about to, to make some pretty negative or maybe even shaming comments toward your teenage son because he's not doing something that you would like for him to do. And that's a, a powerful moment to be able to take ownership of why am I telling him that I don't want him to go do something? Is it because he's not doing something that I, is he doing something I never got to do? I've literally watched that in my office in some family therapy settings where an adult has said to even their, I don't know, late teen or even early 20-something-year-old child or kid, where they've said, well, wait a minute, you, 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 don't, you don't get to go um, live your dreams because I never have to live mine. And, and I feel like that can be a really powerful moment where somebody uh, can really be open about the fact that, man, isn't that crazy? That's what I'm feeling. 
And so to be able to differentiate from that inner critic or that inner voice of the it's not fair kind of a story that maybe our brain's telling us, because that is some of that stuff that maybe we're, we're carrying forth from childhood. Because we might have heard constantly that things, life isn't fair or, you know, or because I, I struggled when I was a kid. So therefore you must struggle. But that, that isn't, that's not a differentiated sense of self. So Dr. Firestone says that altering these unpleasant or toxic personality characteristics or addictions or vanity or phoniness or self-centeredness or a victimized orientation toward life, or maybe sometimes we've seen these attitudes from destructive uh, people in our lives of attitudes of superiority or contempt of others. This is a powerful way of starting to say, okay, goodbye to my past. And it's important to be proactive about changing these negative personality traits without being self-hating, without beating yourself up, without shaming yourself or falling back into these old critical inner voices. So you have to understand that you came by these faults honestly, and so now you have the full power to change them. I see a lot of this when it comes to a lot of concepts around as people are becoming more and more aware of things like uh, racism or, or sexism or uh, let's even say gender issues or that sort of thing, that a lot of times people will feel like they have this automatic response to these situations that they maybe don't really know a lot of, they don't have a lot of information or data on. And so when you can really sit with somebody and they can, they can reflect and take a look inside and say, okay, these feelings, these thoughts, these emotions I have are, com are coming from some of the ways that I was parented or the ways that I was modeled or the, the community that I grew up in. And so is that really who I am? Is that really how I feel? Or is that just my reaction? And because if it's just my reactive nature, then we get to kind of dig deep and say, okay, but is that really who I am at my core? Or is this just something that I have been modeled or, or a way that I feel that I am supposed to be? And I feel like that's a place where a lot of people that I'm working with right now are finding some inner turmoil or inner conflict where they've lived their entire lives feeling or believing a certain way. And now when certain things are being brought up, whether it's, uh, again, whether it's uh, cultural, whether it's political, or some of these things are coming up and they're feeling like, wow, I, 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 you know, they'll say, I feel like I know how I'm supposed to react because this is the way my family reacts, my community reacts, my church reacts, my wh whatever that is. But they're saying, but I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. But that, that's scary. So that's an example of what it means to be differentiated, to be able to say, wait, this is my path. And these are my experiences and my beliefs, even if the people in my life don't believe or feel the same way. That is becoming differentiated. So if I then express myself, this is how I really feel, and it's different than the way that I have maybe thought in the past or presented myself in the past, then that can bring some invalidation or discomfort because the people around me are saying, well, wait a minute, but this is the way we feel. And this is the way you've always felt. You know, wait, now you're changing your mind? And the answer can sometimes simply be, yeah, because I'm really starting to form my own opinion or I really need to go my own direction. I need to be authentic and genuine to myself. So then that leads to step three, where he said the third step of differentiation involves looking into the psychological defenses we developed as an adaptation to the pain and distress that we did experience growing up. So to differentiate from the more childish aspects of our personality, Dr. Firestone says we need to identify and then give up the patterns of defense we formed to deal with pain early on in our lives. This is powerful. Uh, this really is. He said that those defenses were what we used to protect ourselves as children, and they limit us in our adult lives. I look at the the way that people show up from an attachment wound place to begin with. You know, I, you can go back and listen to some previous episodes where I'll go big on the, the concepts of abandonment and attachment, what those look like. Your attachment issues when you uh, grow up, when you become an adult, what those start to look like is as a kid, our, our attachment wounds were were the way they would present is we would try to figure out who we needed to be in a certain situation to get our needs met. 
What did we need to say so that our teachers would like us, our pastor would like us, our parents would like us, our friends would like us? And all of these might be different ways that we show up. And so I think you can maybe see where I'm going here. That's that's our attachment pattern or attachment wound as a child was feeling like I have to be this different person in these different situations in order to make other people happy because that's how I got my validation. But as we grow into adulthood, the adult way to show up in a relationship is to be ourselves, to be our differentiated self and to stand in that uh, differentiated, confident sense of self, even in the face of invalidation, even if people are going to say, I disagree, or do you really think that? Or I can't believe you've changed your mind. But to be able to sit and confidently say, okay, whoa, I'm feeling this need to go back in and say, no, 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 you're right. I don't really think that. Okay, that's a, that's a childhood attachment wound that is showing up into adulthood. So this, again, this step three is he talks about being able to recognize those defenses we formed in our childhood to protect ourselves. So for example, he said, Dr. Firestone says, if we were intruded on as, as children, we might feel excessively guarded as adults. We might really have our, our heart is just in layers and layers of cement protected because we are not going to open ourselves up because when we did that as a child, that never went well. But does that lead us to our best life as an adult? It doesn't. But if we're going to put ourselves out there, if we're going to chip away at those layers of cement that are protecting our heart because of our childhood experiences, we now have to realize that as an adult, we are, we are putting ourselves out there. We are being a little bit more vulnerable. But now as an adult, we don't have to continue to go back into this old attachment pattern and then um, go back into, no, I really don't believe that. We get to learn how to stand confidently based on the things that matter to us and what we believe. That, that again, is what differentiation looks like. He said that if we were rejected as kids, we might feel distrusting in our relationships. And people tend to cling to these defended ways of responding to others and remain emotionally trapped in these cycles from the... I had one of the most beautiful group coaching calls on our Magnetic Marriage course last night where, where my buddy Preston Pugmire took a couple through this. You know, they're, they're showing up and they are both so guarded and so defensive and trying to be open and trying to be vulnerable. And it was, man, there was not... There was silence on... There was, I mean, we got dozens of couples on this call and it was one of the most powerful experiences I felt on a, on a Zoom call, on a group call because we were starting to, to shed those, those defense mechanisms, you know, that people are not showing up and being as emotionally vulnerable because they're worried about the way the other person will respond. Well, the other person's responding the way they're responding because they feel like that is the only way that they're going to get their needs met or, that's, uh, or they feel criticized or attacked because that's their own childhood defense stuff that's coming up where we need to be able to sit with tension even if we're worried about things turning to contention. We're so afraid of contention that we avoid tension altogether. And a big piece of when you become differentiated, when you identify that I am my own unique person, my own unique individual, and everyone else is having their own experience. And so when I share my experience, you are going to feel invalidated. And, and that's okay. It's something that once you recognize that the more I'm able to be my own unique differentiated self, you're going to be aware of, oh, wow, there's more invalidation than I was aware of. Because in the past, as soon as I would feel invalidated, I would run in and try to, to repair that. I would run in and I would, I would pull the victim card. Oh, I, oh, I can't believe I said that. I'm a horrible person. Or I would go in there and say, you know what? The more I think about it, I think you're right. But I would go in there and I would just try to, to get back in and codependent and, and enmeshed with somebody so that, it, so that things wouldn't feel uncomfortable. But when you learn to sit with a little bit of that intention, sit with that tension, that's where the growth really occurs. 
So Dr. Firestone, back to this third step of differentiation. So he's saying as adults, it's important to give up the hope of ever filling the past, the vast voids we felt as children. In other words, he said, becoming psychologically differentiated, we need to, in effect, say goodbye to our child selves and live fully as the adults that we are now. And it will be uncomfortable and you will, you will go through periods of invalidation. But guess what? That's part of being an adult. And it's one of those glorious parts where as you start to live a more value-based, a purpose-centered life, then it's going to come with bits of invalidation. It's going to come with far more highs, far more times where you feel connected, where you feel like you're doing something that really is in align with, alignment with your uh, true purpose. But you're also going to maybe hit a few more lows. You're going, to, you're going to get to live all aspects of a life because too often we're trying to stay pretty flat uh, flat affect or pretty numb or disassociated because we're trying to protect ourselves. So we got to put ourselves out there. And yes, we are going to feel invalidated and we're going to be told that we're wrong, but that's part of the human experience. And the more you become uh, comfortable with that discomfort, the more that you are, you become familiar with that, that feeling of tension and knowing that from tension comes growth, the more that starts to become this new path that you're trotting, the new neuropathway in your brain. So the final step, Step four, he says, the final step of psychological differentiation involves developing our own values, ideals, and beliefs rather than automatically accepting the beliefs that we grew up with or those of our culture. And this, if you've heard me at all on the Virtual Couch podcast, when I talk about acceptance and commitment therapy, this is huge. And one of the most common emails I get through the, my website is, can you send me that values checklist you talk about? And absolutely I can. I'll put it in the show notes again. But it's from Russ Harris, author of The Confidence Gap, and it's on psychwire.com. And he has a 40-value checklist and a 60-value checklist. And one of the most powerful things you can do is start to learn to identify what your core values are, not the values you think you're supposed to have, not the values that your spouse says are important to them or that your, uh, your parents or your church or your community says this is how you're supposed to feel or you're, doing, you're not doing something right. Because there are a lot of values. And value is any sense of being or doing. And so as you truly find what values are important to you and you start to move your life in accordance with your values or turn toward your values, or when you are in your, when you're up in your feelings, when you're feeling anxious or you're feeling depressed, the thing to do is to be able to do a little bit of breathing, come to the present. That's a whole other podcast for another day. Mindfulness is so important. It's not about trying to empty. It's not trying to get above. It's about bringing yourself back to the present moment so that you can now turn toward these value-based goals uh, or value-based actions. So that when you find yourself all up in your thoughts, then you bring yourself back to present. And for me, I meditate with Headspace almost on a daily basis for years now. So as soon as I recognize I am in some unproductive territory with my thoughts, because I'm a human, we're all going to do that. If I kind of get myself grounded, I just did it right there on the camera, stand up a little bit straight, take a little bit of it in through the nose, out through the mouth, breath. And then my brain's already going into the, okay, this guy's about to do something. It's going to take action. Because that becomes the new neuropathway. Dr. Stephen or Michael Tuhig, who's a renowned researcher in acceptance and commitment therapy, I heard him on a podcast, and I did not. I wrote it down, so it's not it's not exact. But he talked about how most of us are spending around eighty percent of our lives trying to manage our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions, and twenty percent taking action. And he said that it needs to be the opposite way. That we are spending eighty percent of our lives taking action on value based goals, value-based, taking value-based actions. And then 20% of that is the, the trying to manage thoughts or emotions. Because when we recognize the thought or the emotion, that's the part where we come back to present and we turn toward a value-based goal. If uh, somebody has identified that one of their true values, their true values is humor, which I definitely have a value of humor, 
then when I bring myself back to present, then I can reach out to somebody and, and do a double duty and uh, have a value of connection and humor. I might send, send somebody something funny. If you have a value of compassion and you are up in your feelings or your thoughts or you're feeling anxious or depressed, you come back to present and then you can uh, reach out to somebody in need or you can go and do something that will help someone else if that's one of your core values. I, I truly believe that this is such a key piece. And so let, let me get back to step four. He again says the final step of differentiation involves developing your own values, ideals, and beliefs ra rather than automatically accepting the beliefs we grew up with or those in our culture. He says, we should strive to live, lead a life of integrity according to our own ideals in spite of social pressures to conform to the standards of others. We should resist influences that are oppressive or restrictive of individual human rights. And that may sound dramatic, but, but restrictive or oppressive of our individual human rights is when someone else is telling us how we're supposed to feel, think, act, or what we're supposed to do. And so even if they mean well, bless their heart, but this is your journey. This is your, you have a divine purpose. You have these gifts and talents and abilities. And so if you are not using those, if you're not living this value-based life, it, it really does lead to the feelings of anxiety and depression. And we kick that can down the road. We tell ourselves, well, I'll really start to live my full life when, you know, when what? When, when we get this new place, when we move, when, my, when the kids are out of the house. And we're just proverbially kicking that can down the road. We can take action now if we identify what those values are and what's important to us. He says it's also important to formulate, he calls them transcendent goals, those that go beyond ourselves and our immediate family, and to take steps toward fulfilling these goals that give personal meaning to our life. And I feel like the, I love this concept of a transcendent goal. I really had a lot of thoughts around the idea of goals. I, I know goals are important, but I feel like I have been having an awakening around goals again at the age of 51, where I feel like I've worked with so many people that set goals and then they don't follow through on them. And then they beat themselves up and feel less than. But I feel like it's because most people are setting goals that they feel like they're supposed to set. They're not things that really truly matter to them or they're not goals that are based on their own values. And when you can really turn to things that matter to you and then set one of these, you know, what he calls transcendent goals that are things that are really give yourself personal meaning and a divine purpose, that that is where you really start to feel the full measure of your yourself, your creation of who you're supposed to be, whether it's... Um, you know, and, and that puts you in a position to truly be your best self. And that just radiates to others. Marianne Williamson poem, I won't read the whole thing, but who am I to play small so that others will feel better about themselves around me? It's actually the opposite, that when you start to step into your own confidence, when you start to turn toward value-based ideals and goals, and you live according to your values and your purpose, that you radiate this energy of the, that, that, that people want to be around you and they want to be better themselves. So it is actually the opposite of what we're doing. When we feel like we have to be less than because we worry that we'll offend others, then we're just keeping ourselves stuck in a rut. And we are and we are not putting out this goodness to the world that will absolutely multiply the more that we find ourselves in these situations where we are, are really living by our values, our purpose. Okay, I could go on and on and on, but I hope that you can see where we're going today. The goal, differentiation where one person ends and the other person begins. And as you find yourself, that does not mean that you are now uh, destined to a life of loneliness. It means that you now know who you are and you can now show up in relationships and now you can work together to truly edify each other. And that old cliche is true where one plus one then equals three. And if you haven't had that in your life, then I can understand where that would feel scary and where that would feel like, no, 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 you know, we, we, we're still so codependent and enmeshed. We'll figure this out. But I like this metaphor I, I used a couple of weeks ago in an episode, you're, you're, you're using the wrong tool. 
you know, you really need to find out who you are so you can differentiate, so you can be your best self in a relationship. And if your spouse is not for that task, then if you find yourself wanting to go back to old patterns that aren't healthy for you, then then go get help because that's not a mature version of a relationship. And you you deserve to be able to be your best self and have someone there beside you that wants to edify you so you can be your best self because that's what you want for them as well. And the two of you then are just living your very best lives. And that is something that you just, if you haven't experienced it, it's intoxicating. And there I am doing it again. So taken away with the wonderful, the talented Aurora Florence with the song I love. It's wonderful because as you can tell, when I get on the soapbox, I lived 10 years living a, a, a life that was not very exciting, that I didn't even know there was something else out there for me. 10 years in software, sounded cool, got to travel the world all those sort of things. So, But it, I wasn't living a value-based, purpose-filled life. I just wasn't. And now the last 20 years doing the things I truly feel passionate about and I love, I now know what I didn't know. And I want you guys to know that too. So welcome to your journey of differentiation and please send any questions, thoughts, that sort of thing through the website. And uh, I'll see you next time. Compressed emotions flying past Our heads and out the other end The pressures of Explode, allow the un.